not seen until you let go of what is seen. I'm talking about your money. We're back with If You Catch My Grip, baby! After hiatus, uh, I'm Dalton. We're joined by Charlie. <laughs> Hello. And we're joined by Austin. What's up, motherfuckers? Yeah, that's right, baby! <laughs> What's been going on, guys? Um, so uh, there's definitely not as much going on with Charlie and I as there is with you, because the last time we recorded, you were married... And now for season two, they wouldn't believe this. This was a TV show. They'd be like, how the fuck did the marriage end while they were taking a brief break? Like, there's no explanation. There's no clear, coherent storyline for it. But here we are. New season, I guess. But you have uh, you. New uh, season, new life. New, new life. season, new like, me. <laughs> a diff- like a different person who's still gonna, wearing his jacket uh, indoors. We are going to uh, start the divorced Dalton era, as all divorced dads should. And we are just hanging out, kicking it with the fucking boys. And I am going to put down this entire glass of PBR. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. I got a Coke Zero. That's what I'm working with tonight. What? what? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of glass was that? right. It's a Corona glass. It's nice. Okay. So you drink PBR out of a Corona glass. Brother, I work with what I got. (laughs) (laughs) But in the the past six months, let's see, uh, my fucking grandma died. I've been homeless and I've gotten a divorce. So let's see what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I hope good things. I hope good things. you know, I well, actually, it's the rule of three, right? Whenever something bad happens to you, you can expect two more bad things to happen to you if you're subscribed to that. Yep, but it's it's definitely proved itself, right? <laughs> you better hope. <laughs> Fuck, I hope so. You better hope. Uh, oh man, yeah. So, um, you're 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 in Vic, uh, called it quits, very amicable. Um, yeah, split yeah, up. yeah. It was nothing, it was nothing crazy. Like, we were just sitting here one day, and like, I called her over, I was like. Oh, Harlan, sorry. Harlan no, is still around, was, clearly. Yeah, Harlan is. Yeah, yeah the 50-50 custody right down in the middle. There's no there's no hard feelings. There's no, like, using kids. It's like a bargaining chip or anything like that. Everything's fine. But we were just sitting here. I called her over, like, hey, this isn't really working, is it? And she was like, no, not really. And then we talked about everything. And, like, we talked about, like, future plans. She went and stayed with her grandma for a couple of days where she found, like, a roommate situation that she's in now. And everything was fine. Everything's fine. Like, she didn't. She doesn't want much of anything. She just wants her stuff, which is really cool. So yeah. I mean, yeah, everything's fine. So are you? You're still in the the place you guys had together, and then she moved in to to somewhere else. Yeah, she's living with one of her friends now. Okay, was it the friend that was living with you guys? <laughs> no, 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 fuck that bitch, dude. She actually lives right down the road. Like I'm no joke, not Vic, but the friend that lived with us that still owes me nine hundred dollars. Yeah, she lives right down the fucking road. I can't stand her. I see her every time she drives by. Oh man. Well, it actually I've been I've been planning I didn't tell you guys about this um ahead of time, but I've kind of been spitballing it, so I figured we'd do it right on the air together. Um where I really want to propose a new Patreon tier. And this is going to be. I thought you were saying you were going to propose. I was going to say, brother, no. I do. I do. <laughs> Dalton just wants that insurance. <laughs> um, well, actually, I have health insurance. I started the year off right. Yeah, but imagine not paying for it and just being on my plan. 
Actually, I just planned on like marrying you, and like we could do like this Las Vegas wedding, right? All right, we go drive through Fat Elvis. We got to do Fat Elvis because mm-hmm. it's not a Las Vegas wedding if you don't do Fat Elvis. Not authentic. We go Elvis. to the Taco Bell Cantina, have a great time. Then the next day, we get a divorce, and I get like half, right? I get half, <laughs> everything half. I'm gonna tell you what, half of nothing is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what I what I was going to propose uh, is a Patreon tier that's open um, for right now. And I mean, we like I said, spitball, we can we can work this out if you, your thoughts change. But right now it's just open to women in the greater Valdosta area um, for for two hundred and fifty dollars a month. You will get two house calls from Dalton where he will. Um, I mean, do really what you want. The dishes. So wait. Oh, wait so like am i am i made in this situation what's going on well whatever they want really i mean if they want you know some sort of lady favors they can have that i mean so you're turning me from an attention whore to an actual whore yeah well it's really kind of your past trying to pimp you and that's destiny like i mean i just take a third charlie gets a third i don't you know just kind of for being like butters from that one south park episode it's like i'm gonna start a kissing company fellas (laughs) Yeah, you gotta selling smooches out by the the swing set, man. <laughs> I'll be your bottom bitch. <laughs> well, see, that's what I wanted to talk about because right now I just put it out for women only, but I think we might actually get a lot more subscribers if we included the guys too. Um, but you know, it, dude, that... line them up. I'll knock them down. <laughs> <laughs> see, I told you he'd be game for it all. I know, <laughs> I know. There's not much you can put in front of Dalton that he won't <laughs> jump right into. Listen, man, if I can, and literally if, if i can suck a jolly ranch until it's dry i'm pretty sure i can finish a guy off no problem girl girl cocks whatever you got dalton's like a, <laughs> he is open okay. for business ladies and gentlemen come, come on you just gotta get the valdosta <laughs> <laughs> oh man yes sir Speaking of knocking down the ladies, Dalton's been, uh, Leo been DiCaprio. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Charlie. I had a really bad Dalton's segue. Been, go ahead. Dalton's been hitting me up every day trying to get me to go down there so he can drain my balls. And I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just been, uh, denying it so far. But uh, I don't know. Maybe now. Maybe now's the time. You better watch out, Dalton. I don't think you know what you're asking for. Them Ohio boys don't play. <laughs> Listen here, brother. It's like a fucking fire hose. I just hold on and hope it doesn't get my eyes or my mouth. (laughs) Listen, brother, I've already had to change my sheets one time. I'll I'll do it again. It's okay. (laughs) You've changed your sheets one time since we recorded last. Yeah, I'm not going to change them for no reason. Listen, there was uh, was a moment where (laughs) we'll talk about this. We'll talk about it off camera. Uh, I remember you told me the story already. <laughs> I'm scarred. And if you actually want to know more about that story, you can subscribe to our Patreon and get access to the Discord where we got a live um, up to the second <laughs> reenactment of what happened that caused Dalton to change his sheets for the first time in 2023. <laughs> for the first time in not comfortable answering that yeah please don't <laughs> just leave it at 23 it's only march that's like benefit of the doubt have i ever showed you a picture of my mattress without sheets on it dude it looks like somebody fucking died why no 
<laughs> dude i have a fucking six-year-old that spills shit all the fucking time okay. like it looks horrible it I looks would never awful. never advertise that never Dude, it's fine. I'll put a picture in Discord. I don't fucking care. <laughs> so you get all that. My phone. And that's just at the five dollar <laughs> level, which is really the only level we have there. So check it out. I figured it's a new time. Uh we're definitely rusty. Charlie's gonna have to edit the shit out of this beginning, but we're back. And I, as a favor to my now uh single friend Dalton. Uh, I decided we should do something that he actually knows maybe a little bit about uh, because he, I, I assume you enjoy this movie. I think you've seen it. You've told me you've seen it a shitload of times. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's a red flag. Oh, when, it's a guy's, when a guy loves this movie, yeah, it's a red it's flag. It's a huge red flag. Brother, I am a walking red flag. Do you understand <laughs> me? <laughs> I am, if not, I am nothing but a red flag with tiny green stripes. That is it. <laughs> so we're gonna be talking about knocking uh, down the bitches like Leo DeCap, knocking down Margot Robbie. <laughs> we're gonna be talking about Jordan uh Belfort, aka the wolf of Wall Street today. So I guess we'll start with the most obvious thing and the thing that Dalton, you're going to be able to talk about probably more than me. Cause I've only seen this movie once, uh, well, twice, I guess. Um, and it is the hey, movie. You want to know a confession? What? I forgot to watch it leading up to this. <laughs> Dude, I gave you like <laughs> two weeks to do it too. I forgot. I forgot. I, forgot. I watched it twice in those two weeks. I literally just had it on again towards the end of the film, just to kind of like, I mean, but I can pretty much remember it beat right. for beat. I mean, so, so we don't need beat for beat, but shortly, can you summarize the the plot of uh, Wolf of Wall Street? Just the whole the whole thing, the whole movie. It's not going to give me any way from this show. Jordan Belfort, stock trader. Uh, he runs an investment company, helps people invest. Uh, suddenly starts doing. Uh, there's like a big thing that happens. He's out of like the executive uh, stock trading company. There's there's penny stops. And he is a fucking con artist. <laughs> he sells off these uh, failing penny stocks for like tens of thousands of dollars, takes all these people's money, gets fucking rich. And then eventually the government comes down on him. Bam, there's a movie. Yep, more or less. Charlie, you want to throw anything in on that? Because you've seen it. You did the homework twice. <laughs> um, I mean, no, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, it's pretty interesting how they, like just the extravagance that he like just had and and uh charisma charisma yeah, he had that riz yeah that <laughs> fucking stock riz boy let's go yeah. and just for the listeners i never give these guys homework and so when i did i think no one should be surprised it's ever listened to an episode that charlie did it <laughs> dalton did i forgot i forgot you have to remind me you have to remind me i mean it's uh, funny he did do it and he's still he didn't do it, but he could still like pull that out of his ass better than I could have. If you asked me like what, like the whole deal was with this, like, cause like I was really trying to like get to the point of like what exactly he did illegally uh, and like getting into that kind of stuff. And it was like, it's still fuzzy to me, like what they kind of explained in the film. So yeah, it's, it's weird how they kind of gloss over all the illegal yeah. shit. It's kind of almost intentional. You think? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just showing off the fun stuff. None of the, you know, the, 
here's the people he hurt in the process of making all this money no one would want to see that movie and scorsese wouldn't make that movie because he never like he he does i mean it's a mob movies right mob movies you never hear about the victims you just hear about the mobsters and you know oh they go to jail but it's not so bad and actually a lot of times that is the case but you know um, i realized recently like all my favorite movies are like the red flag (laughs) the red flag man movies i was talking to my friend caitlin about all my favorite movies and i was like yeah i really like uh django unchained it's my favorite then i like the wolf of wall street and then i like uh, the Joker, there it goes, and then I like the Boondock Saints, and then I like Fight Club, and she was like, "Oh my god, oh no!" Hey, you know, uh, Minister Goats, you know who wrote that? No, I don't. Oh, yeah, this is gonna blow your mind, John Ronson, who is no. yeah, he wrote the book. Uh-huh. It's on my shelf. Oh wow, I fucking love that movie. That movie's incredible. Yeah, he's he's a. I mean, John Ronson's phenomenal. But yeah, that's his. That's based on his book. Fuck yeah. Um, all, all right. Has walked up to the point and hasn't realized yet that he's a fuck boy, and that's just all. He likes all fuck boy movies. So. <laughs> I do, dude. I do. I do. I'm telling you, red flag. <laughs> Walking red flag. Old Dalton Red Flag Harris. <laughs> Here he comes. Let's just. <laughs> Every time. Um, all right. So it's amazing the atrocities you can get away with by being a silly, goofy guy. I don't know about that. There comes a point where being... you once told me this came from your mouth. <laughs> you said, God, Dalton, <laughs> if you were not so likable, there's no way you could get away with the bullshit that you do. Every no, you'd, be in, you'd be in prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You have a, 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 you have a, I just, I worry like that with all things age they sort of fade and go away a little bit so you milk it for as long as you got it because i don't know if it's gonna last forever (laughs) why you can't think i keep bleaching my hair i know (laughs) we'll hit you'll hit like 60s 70s and you'll be cute old man again and then you can pick it back up but there's definitely a period in the middle that's like just you know tumbleweeds (laughs) and buzzards going "Ah!" (laughs) nothing a desert of charisma um so here we go jordan belford right i don't fucking like this guy at all <laughs> and it's gonna break dalton's heart um well, i know i know he's a shitty person listen listen i'm he like bad movies but i've got good politics like he i know he's a bad person <laughs> yeah, he's a shithead. this whole this whole breed of like hard sale you know uh broker investor type guy is like my the least interesting of all the grifters that we do but i i find belfort interesting um for a couple of reasons that we're going to talk about tonight and this is going to be the first of a two-parter but not really a two-parter i mean like you could listen to these episodes separately but they're very much in sync because today we're going to talk about jordan belfort like his journey all the shit he pulled, what he's up to now. We're just going to get an overview of him. And then in the next episode, if everything goes to plan, we're actually going to talk about the making of the movie because, uh, spoiler alert, uh, a bunch of fucking criminals got together and produced this movie. And it's the only reason it got made was because a bunch of criminals made this movie. We're doing two parts. Huh? We're doing two parts. Yeah, well, we're doing two that link up. I'm so, we're gonna... so excited. <laughs> so, bring yeah, back that's... Quaaludes, by the way. Quaaludes, that seems like a really fun drug. We got to bring those back. Yeah, they definitely they definitely were illegaled. Illegaled. They were regulated. Illegaled. <laughs> <laughs> that's the 
I've been having a hard time with words lately. This is really <laughs> going to be great for the host of a podcast. <laughs> so um, I will just say that if it wasn't for this movie, no one would know who the fuck Jordan Belford was. I mean, this guy is so such a little like speck in like the what I would say, like the grifter extended universe. I mean, just just the crimes that he committed. I'm not downplaying the crimes that he committed, but he's just like he's such a little he's just a kind of a, you know, nothing. But then Scorsese <laughs> makes a movie about you and you're a big you're a big deal. And now everybody knows who you are. And so, you know, thanks. Thanks, Marty, for that. Um, but this is the kind of guy. Belford would have been like in the local news for uh, a night or two, like a couple of news cycles. Really? And that's probably it. I think but you took people's life savings. A lot of that happens a lot more than you think. I mean, you're not doing like, you know, made off numbers. You're not really getting a national headline. You're not. And, and it's funny because you don't read. There's very little about him. There's some stuff about his firm. But if you look back, the news stories don't start happening until 2013, 2014, when the movie comes out. And then all of a sudden, like he's getting all these interviews. He's doing all this other stuff. We'll, we'll get to that in, in the time. Um, but yeah, so Scorsese made a movie about Jordan Belfort. It's a very friendly movie about Jordan Belfort. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Martin Scorsese. Although I will say, have you, uh, this This is for you and you alone, Dalton. Uh, so Scorsese's new movie is called Killers of the Flower Moon. And uh, Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson are both in it. Interesting. Yes. I did I knew, not know that. I knew you'd perk up. I didn't either until I was looking up Scorsese. I was like, oh, he's got a new movie coming out this year. Um, uh, the listeners check out uh, Jason Isabel in the 400 unit and check out Sturgill Simpson two great country artists if you don't like like country just give it a shot just give just I'm telling you good shit it's good shit um, Jesse Plemons is also in the new movie he played Landry in Friday Night Lights one of my favorite TV shows I love that show nice very often. I didn't take you as the Friday Night Lights man man I love that show there was not a single episode of that show that didn't leave me crying by the end of it I'm a big nice. baby for that shit it was great. I don't think I could rewatch it. I feel like the magic is just like on that first go round. That's not yeah. like a rewatch show. So I'm, I'm good. Leave it where it is. I see Coach Taylor and everything. And he's in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he is. So there you go. Um, so Belford, New Yorker. I mean, he's a total New Yorker. He was he was born in the Bronx. He was raised in Queens. Uh, he tried to make it like a big shot in fucking Manhattan. And then he got chased off to Long Island. And that's where he did all his that's business. That's what some fucking dirty ass Queens Mets fans get. Okay. You hey, listen. Man, I like the Mets. You like the Mets? Fuck yeah, we've you. talked about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. You're from Louisiana. It doesn't when, count. When's the last time a Braves fan bought you a jersey? When's the last time a Mets fan <laughs> bought you a jersey? Oh, listen, listen. I've also bought a Mets fan a jersey. Thank you very much. Who, Jay Gold? Yeah. All right. I bought him a shirtsy. I didn't buy him a jersey. I bought him a shirtsy. Right. My, my point stands. Um, <laughs> so, so Belfort, growing up, just wanted to make money. Like he was, he was kind of born a sociopath and just wants to make money. And his first, um, according to him and i will say that early on all this stuff is according to him because there's not a lot outside of his book that there's anything about his upbringing really? and yeah surprise surprise you know grifters writing their own little so narrative. let's take all this with a grain of salt then yeah yeah i i like this story though because originally he wanted to go into dentistry uh and he he apparently enrolled in dental school. Another fucking grift. Don't let these people inside your mouth. Don't let them <laughs> rob you of your teeth. What are you doing? 
So apparently, and this is this is a story that he had met with the dean of the dental school, and the guy said, "If you're looking to make money, don't do it in dentistry. The like the gold mine in dentistry is over. You should go find another way to make money." And so he dropped out of dental school. Is and that true? I well, I don't know. That's what he says. <laughs> I feel like dentists make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and this would have been in the '80s, so I feel like they were probably still making a lot of money. But right. You know, it's a story. He, that's his. He, I guess he was smart enough for dental school. I don't know if that's a thing. Yet. I have no idea. But yeah, that's that's his story. Um, but he so instead of dentistry, he went into finance. And his first job was at a firm called L. F. Rothschild, which was a oh. legendary oh. investment firm. No, <laughs> not that Rothschild. It's a totally different person. <laughs> you probably got to look like Mr. Crocker off a of family of fairly odd parents. Like, oh, new order. <laughs> <laughs> so i i knew you are you're not the only person to think that because even on the wikipedia page it says not of the same rock child <laughs> it's like in the first paragraph they're like we promise this is not the guy <laughs> although i would love to see jordan belford show up on Infowars and talk about that oh, I think that would oh be god incredible it's a wet anyway. dream well, well, you'll see why after I get through with everything, because I just, you know, wish nothing but the worst. Anyway, um, <laughs> so this story goes again. This is a story is that his first day on the job was October 19th, 1987, which would come to be known as Black Monday. And I, I don't necessarily I think this is a little fishy. It's a really good story. It's really like my first day, the stock market suffered the largest single day crash that it's ever done in the history of the United States. Yeah. And I, you know, I lost my job on the first day and I, I don't really believe that that's exactly how it happened, but again, it's, it's a good story. Yeah. Um, and then black Monday, they don't really go into what black Monday was in the movie all that much. Um, don't do you have any idea what this is besides the stock market crash that I just said. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So um, just a little history because, it, you know, it's it's I think it's a little bit relevant to like what's going on right now. Um, in the early 80s, massive, massive economic recovery coming kind of on the back of the 70s, which was a little bit of a recession, um, not a depression, but there was a recession. It's part of the reason that Reagan, you know, beat Carter as badly as he did but because Carter sort of came into or, you know, had a bad economy and Reagan came in promising all this stuff. And sure enough, you know, you, you release regulations and all, and you cut taxes and all of a sudden the economy and you is supply back. Uh, crack to uh, black neighborhoods. And uh... there's, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Reagan is, is too big for this podcast, but yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, they, so, you know, Reagan comes in tax cuts again, deregulation. There's a lot of big tech innovations starting in the 80s, going into the 90s and the 2000s, especially with the finance sector. You know, so money can kind of move quicker and quicker than it did before. Uh, anyway, what had ultimately happened um, was we went into a high period of inflation, which is exactly what's happening. Like we're happening now. It's weird how that happens. You know, you get free money long enough, right? Because institutions and corporations can borrow a bunch of money. The interest rates are almost non-existent. So there's no cost to money, free money. And all of a sudden, the demand for things goes up well past the supply, right? You can only make a you certain amount. Like the fucking banks are just bailed out. 
Yeah, well, yeah. There's there's like I said, there's a lot of parallels to what happened then and what happened now. Um, so yeah, the Fed raises the interest rates in an attempt to like cool down the market a bit and lowers demand, right? So if borrowing becomes more expensive, these companies can't spend as much, they have to kind of slow down, cool off the economy. That's what happens. Um it, sh- it and ultimately when you raise interest rates, it should bring down the cost of of goods because the demand goes down, less people have money, so they're not buying as much. The man supply and demand is supposed to e- even out. It doesn't ever work that way uh, perfectly because yeah. it's a very large, complicated system. Um, but 1987 happens, and like it doesn't work. Yeah, I know when it keeps happening over and over and over again. The uh, 1987 comes along and the Fed raises the interest rates several times. Um, a lot of the, you know, corporate big wigs freak out and which is what they always do. And they're like, they're rising interest rates too quickly and it's everything's going to crash down. And he warns that the, you know, the Fed's being too aggressive. Um, and, you know, that all of a sudden the markets just go bananas. People start selling out and and the whole thing crashes because they were freaked out about interest rates and the free money is, is drying up and it's no longer there. So black Monday comes huge, huge uh, loss for globally markets, globally. Uh, a lot of companies, a lot of firms uh, lost their shirts. Um, uh, L um, what is it? L Rothschild is hit exceptionally hard and they actually get they essentially go out of business and their assets are bought up by another bank. So Jordan was fired. He was a very junior person on that team uh, and he loses his job along with a shitload of people, a shitload of investors and other people in that industry, because that's what happens. Um, Yeah. So, this would eventually lead uh, Belfort to OTC trading, which is called over-the-counter trading. Those are the pink sheets and the penny stocks that you were talking about. Um, these are mostly shares and companies that are too small for one of the big exchanges like the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. So these are like the mom and pop, but um, it, it's it, there's a ton of fraud in this world. If you want to think about it, it's like it's the equivalent of what like Dogecoin and Unicoin and like your little shitty shit coins that are going on today in crypto. That's compared that's to like the Bitcoin. same coins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously more organization and there's a little bit of regulation in this space, but it's not like it would be. Not, yeah. You're not dealing with the New York Stock Exchange. You're not dealing with it. It's not like big, you're trading Apple or Google or anything like that. Right. Right. Anything. You're not seeing this stuff on the New York Stock Exchange. So you can't actively like look up these stock prices in the newspaper. Like I said, there's a ton of fraud. There's just, it's not well-regulated. It, it's it's just kind of the wild, wild west in terms of like investments go. Uh, but the margins are really high because the broker's fees on this kind of stuff can be up to 50%, right? So right. I, I, if I had to, you know, assume the logic there, it wasn't, oh, look at, you know, let's go sell these OTC stocks because we really believe in it. It's like, hey, there's some money for us to be made here. If you sell $10,000 worth of OTC stocks, you're getting $5,000 as your broker fee. Yeah, exactly. Which is money to be made. Because the usual stock, if you go to an investment firm, I mean, they're taking like two to 3%. So that versus 50. Now, the, the the trades are much much larger so two to three percent of you know these massive trades but that's not like that was never part of Belfort's world right he never 
dealt with those big trades. He was a cold caller at a at a big investment firm, and then you know the market went sour, and he's now on his own. So it's like this guy never made at this point in his career never made big bucks like you could from doing you know trading on the New York Stock Exchange or the Nasdaq. Like right, there's just it's it's totally different league, and so he sees this as a much easier way to accumulate a lot of money with this like very shady questionable market that he's now going to go into business uh, being a broker for. Right. Um, so he and his partner, a guy named Danny Porish, who is loosely, uh, you know, Jonah Hill's character in Wolf of Wall Street is loosely based on Danny Porish, um, but not totally. But anyway, they founded Stratton Oakmont, which is an over-the-counter brokerage based in Long Island, um, Stratton was essentially a boiler room or a call center that just reached out to, you know, to cold call people off of some list that they acquired at some point from probably that another boiler insane. room. That yeah. is insane. That is nuts. I can't, yeah. dude, if somebody calls me the number I don't recognize, I don't even fucking pick up, much yeah. less invest in a stock that they're trying to sell. This is pre, I, I, I can't. I can't imagine there's a lot of firms right now that either a do this and b successfully do this. I think they're they're doing a little bit more than just cold calling. Like I feel like they're going now. You've got LinkedIn. You can find out a lot more about people's jobs and you know use that and, and get a lot with social media and get a lot more information about people. So if you buy a list and you look into it a little bit, you're already a lot better. But this is the this is the mid '80s and this is happening like late '80s really. And so they're getting these suckers lists, which is kind of a, a, a term that I saw a couple of times. So they're calling it and they're they're making calls off of this. And the strength of your revenue is based on the strength of the person that's on the call, right? Right. And so they call these things boiler rooms. Um, they're, have you seen that movie? I feel like you have. This is no, on Broadway. No, really? You should. Yeah, it's like Giovanni Ribisi, who um, is kind of a scumbag. I think I think he's a scumbag or his brother is something happened with them. One of the Rubisis. Um, and Vin Diesel, and they're like stockbrokers in one of these call centers, um, just cold calling people and trying to get sales. It's isn't um, Ben Affleck in it too? Yeah, Ben Affleck's in it too. Hey sir, what's your name? Tim. Well, Tim, how the fuck are you? We got a stock to sell you and you can't resist it. <laughs> it's well, it and it has a few different levels, right? Like they have um with boiler rooms, they have a few different, you know, divisions of labor that go with, within the boiler room itself. Um, at the bottom, it's the, the qualifiers. And these are the guys who try to interest customers or investors into making that investment. Um, they're the ones that are cold calling people. And they also put together like newsletters. And so a lot of times what you'll hear is, hey, you know, I'd love to be able to send you some information just to give you give you more. Obviously, I can't do all of this over the phone. So, you know, if you're fine with it, I'm going to go ahead and throw, drop something in the mail and send it to you. And then obviously they printing they're printing out their own newsletters. They're like, hey, this is you know, here's here's all the facts about this, what I want you to invest in, which is usually it, it's usually questionable. I mean, there's not, yeah. there's not another way around it. Yeah. <laughs> So um, th- those guys, then you have the next level up, which are the verifiers or the openers, and they will follow up after this person has gotten the mailing, you know, after the first call, they got the mailer and they follow up and say, hey, did you have a chance to look at what we sent? You know, like, you know, we'd love to oh. sit, we'd love to talk more about it. 
good. Yeah. And then you've got, and then they the, got the closers and you got the closers and you come in and they're like, let's just make this happen. So uh, as you, you know, as you progress, as you obviously cold call and you get more calls, you work your way up in that system and, you know, your cut gets bigger and bigger as you go up. And that's typically how these call centers work. I mean, they're just in like nondescript office buildings in the middle of a neighborhood. Full of humans. It's pretty bad. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I don't, there's obviously a lot of bad jobs out there, but for me, I mean, cold calling, I, uh, it just is, Dude, it sounds I like one of the miserable. It's I think, miserable. I think I'd rather die. It's, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, you're like selling newspapers, subscriptions, or, or, you know, I keep getting calls for the police, you know, association here, the, the patrolmen's and I'm like, I just leave me <laughs> you alone. You just put on the fuck off or what? Well, now I just don't answer any number that I don't know. So that's, that's usually. Oh, damn. Just like my usually, calls. Yeah. It was like everybody's calls. Everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. So. They're, the other thing about boiler rooms is they're known for their like hard sales tactics, right? Like the way I was sort of reading a script to you is much friendlier than what you give these guys get. I mean, they really, really, really push. Um, and Stratton Oakmont was no difference. They would do pretty much anything um, or say anything to their clients to convince them not to sell. This is another part of it. It's like, not only do you want to buy in with us, once you have these stocks, if you start making a little bit of money, you don't want to cash out, right? That's that's a Ponzi is what that smells like. like, like that should be fucking illegal. Well, it's <laughs> like not because if you can convince a person, they say, don't cash out. Here's what we want you to do. We should take this money and we should invest it into something else, right? And then they keep doing that every time you know, and they just roll the money, right? If they're making money, if they're losing money, they're like, just keep rolling it because Stratton makes a commission every time they sell. So uh, if they got your money and you made, you know, a 50% return, which is unheard of and it doesn't exist. I'm just throwing it out here. And as an example, you say, hey, I know you want to collect all that money. What if you take that money and you invest even more into this company? And they go, yeah, it's a really good. Idea. And he's like, you trusted me this first time. We won on it the first time. Now trust me again. I've got this information about this other place and I want to, and they just keep rolling. And every time they they roll, they pay another commission. So Stratton Oakmont makes money every single time. When does Stratton Oakmont not make money when they pull their money out if they cash in mm-hmm. they don't make any money anymore so, so how long do, can they like keep somebody there because like you're like hey man i want to sell no 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 you don't like yes i do no well, no no, the, no no you that's don't. that's the problem right like that's what you run into with these houses is that that the i mean I don't think any of these are built to last very long. Like they, they, they come together and they fall apart pretty quickly by design. It's like, come together, grab as much money as you can. And then, you know, get the fuck out of there before anybody arrests you is, is seems to be the model on not all of these, but a lot of them, right. They just get out of there. Um, and so that's more or less what happened. I mean, they, they were, they high sales, high pressure sales tactics, high pressure in terms of like rolling over your, you know, your investments into something else. Just get money however you can from anybody that you can. Um, it also, when I was pulling some of the research for this, I stumbled across a data point that I thought was interesting. It said boiler room victims are often men over 40 who already have some sort of investment uh, to the stock market. Or in in some sort of right. uh, investment vehicle, not necessarily just stocks. So. They're just taking advantage of the old. Forty's not old, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, taking advantage yeah. of the decrepit, taking advantage of our sweet senior citizens. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I, I will say this now too, and this is the point where like there is a point in the movie when um Belfort wants you to believe that they were only ripping off wealthy investors. And that is absolutely not true. Not true yeah. at all. I'm gonna tell you right now, there were not a lot of wealthy investors that were coming and buying investment opportunities through Stratton Oakmont. You know, the wealthy people that were coming through Stratton Oakmont were benefiting from all the shady shit that was going on at Stratton Oakmont. Um so yeah, so uh, you know this is there's zero evidence that the, the Stratton Oakmont targeted wealthy investors, and it is highly, highly unlikely that that happened. Those are more seasoned investors. They they go through you know other brokerages, more famous ones, ones that have uh, reputations right. instead of this upstart based. That are going to take your fucking money or refuse yeah. to sell. Yeah, and you know it's it, it's just it's it leads to it just feels like anything OTC, and that's not all true. Um, because some of the big firms do deal with like OTC or you know pink sheet trades because they're always looking for new ways to to invent new financial vehicles to make money for themselves. Um, but long story short, Jordan Belfort was doing a lot of illegal shit oh, yeah. at at, at, um, at Stratton. So the the big things that he had were they're really just four of them, but he was involved with pump and dump schemes. So he was investing early into specific stocks, really mostly stocks. Uh, and then he would tell his entire sales he force. He pump and dump. That's <laughs> what Dalton's <laughs> new, new nickname. Uh, oh, God, no. <laughs> unmarried uh, Dalton. No. <laughs> Anyway, so he's yeah, definitely a big fan of pump and dump schemes as well. Just they're slightly different. <laughs> so the ones that he ends up with and usually even require alimony after a while. <laughs> uh from from them. I don't make enough money <laughs> to be given out alimony. <laughs> um so yeah, so Belford would invest heavily in stocks. He would tell his sales force to go out there. And promote the shit out of it. People would buy it. The price of the stock would go up. Jordan would sell all of his shares. The price would start going down because he just dumped all of his shares. But he made a he made a bunch of money. His customers did not. His clients, customers. I don't know what you call it. OTC um, uh, victims. Victims. That's <laughs> you're right. Victims. Thank you. Uh, stock manipulation. He uh, they used a um, bunch of like crazy shit, like fake buy orders. Um, they had like all kinds of weirdo stuff that they were pulling with stocks again, highly illegal stuff, but they didn't care. So, uh, there were also, there was also a bunch of money laundering going on. They were transferring millions of dollars from the brokerage accounts to offshore to, to just get it out of here, to get it out as quick as they can. Um, which is again, something you do with like a Ponzi scheme, or if you know, you're up to no good, you got to get that money out of there before because you know that the end is coming right like there's no doubt and and it's hard for me to believe that he didn't know the end was going to come you know like this was a massive like even if he didn't he's an idiot and i don't think he's an idiot you know like i I just don't i don't i don't think he's not stupid i mean he was fucking popping quaaludes and slutting out margot robbie he's not stupid (laughs) so you can't get away with that if he's dumb And uh, the last, the fourth area that they were fucking around on were IPOs, initial public offering, which is when a company finally takes their their company public. 
So they issue right. a stock and people buy in. Um, and that's a big deal because he did quite a few of these and fucked around again on all of them. Um, so the most famous IPO and the one they actually covered in the Wolf of Wall Street was, do you remember it, Dalton? No, I don't. Steve Madden, the shoe company. Oh, okay. The cologne. Yeah. Well, he makes a bunch, but he was primarily shoes. And keep okay. them on the phone until they buy or die. Or die. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So Steve Madden um, partnered with Stratton Oakmont in 1993 to take his company. I think it was only a three-year-old company at that point, public. Um, now, that's not where the relationship began. He knew the guys. He knew Jordan. And I believe he was cousins with Danny Porish. I believe I'm not. Hold on. I'm going to fat check that real quick because I didn't write it down. So if you're a three-year-old company, what would be the advantage of taking it public as opposed to leaving it private? Like why you, do you really need the influx of money at that point? Or yeah, that's what that's what you do. You you go public to like expand, or I think they use some of their funds to go retail. Like they have retail stores that are gotcha. Steve Madden. So you you need some sort of like either you're gonna expand beyond shoes for Steve Madden or get into retail spaces or do some like you need the capital quick. Um so that's why you're doing your IPO. Gotcha. Oh, they weren't cousins. They were just high school friends. So Danny Porish, who was Jordan Belfort's partner, knew you got to get Madden. out of that Louisiana mentality, brother. Like not everybody is a fucking cousin, okay? <laughs> no, but there's a lot of people fucking cousins, so that's okay. Because <laughs> we, we're fine with that as long as it's consensual. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no All idea. right, here's a uh, little trolley problem-esque question for you, okay? For you, it'll, I'll change it to dude. You and this dude have been seeing each other for a while, right? You've been dating. You've been dating at this point for five years, right? You find out through 23andMe that this person is your first cousin. At that point, do you break up with them? Or do you just keep it on the low and keep dating? So, oh, God. Um, You've already been fucking. You've been fucking for a while. Yeah, I mean, the reason that you that you shouldn't marry or your cousin is because of children, right? Like that. That's what it is. Is you, if you you're having children with your first cousin, they're 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 gonna have problems. It's the genetics thing. So, I don't know if you're talking about two guys. There's no threat of having children. I'm not sure yeah. I'd be great about that. I mean, you're not gonna have gen, you don't have children. You're not gonna genet. You're like you're not gonna have natural children. You may adopt. Charlie. You've been dating this girl for about five years. <laughs> Through this weird 23 and me scenario, you found out she's your cousin. Do you, A, break up with them immediately, or two, keep the relationship going on the low and just hope nobody finds out? Break up. Break up. Yeah, I think break hmm. up. I, I'd also hope that they would want to break up too. <laughs> but you've already, you love this person. You've built a life with this person. I mean, like, I'll, still, I'll just, still be cousins with them. It's not. Wait, wait, wait. Fall, wait. Dalton, Dalton, did you find mm -hmm. out that you and Vic are cousins? <laughs> no. Okay, this is really. No. I just wondered. This is a very specific scenario. I just no, no. Sure. I just saw this on a video the other day. I thought it'd be a really interesting question to get your thoughts on because I because honestly, sounds... oh, go ahead. I don't. I don't want no more kids anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, oh no! So what you're saying oh, no. is, is that you were okay with it, but Vic broke it off because she thought it was weird that you guys were cousins. No, there was no cousin. There was no cousin situation. We are not kin, brother. Know. Have you seen her skin is brown as a piece of oak wood? Look at me. 
Look at me. I look like fucking Elmer's glue. We are not related, okay? I don't know. I don't know. Weirder things have happened. <laughs> anyway. Just keep on with the fucking show. Let's go. So um, Steve Madden comes, says, hey, I want to take my company public. Will you help me out doing it? That's That's sort of the movie version. In reality, he had been fucking around with stratton for a while he actually was the beneficiary of a lot of this pump and dump stuff so he was he was on the inside belfort was making money for him um so he's mm, he i wonder that motherfucker landed a chasey penny <laughs> just as much uh a part of this as anybody else was and this is actually from steve madden's autobiography it said uh he said jordan was like no one else i'd ever met before or since he became one of the most influential people in my life i was pumping and dunking dumping stocks right alongside him i hear you brother <laughs> so, so madden is is right there he's reaping the benefits of being on the right side of stratton oakmont he brings him his ipo they uh belfort and a bunch of people at stratton had already bought a ton of shares before it went public and then they made a ton of money when it went public and the price, you know, jumped up almost immediately because it's the first day. As long as you don't price the product wrong, your you know, right. price will increase. Um, and so they, they made a shitload of money. Um, so in order to, um, yeah, so, you know, again, once again, we've kind of covered this before. They did that by like really pushing Steve Madden, right? So his, his sales force would go out. And they would say, hey, you really want to buy this? This is about to go public. As soon as it comes, we can buy. How much do you want? We, we're taking this public so you can trust us. Like it's not one of these big, you know, uh, Wall Street firms. It's, you know, us. We'll be in Long Island. Uh -huh. you know? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. That's the reason that you shouldn't trust them. <laughs> that, is, that is the reason. <laughs> yep. Yep. So this, this, this IPO specifically gets focused on because it's a big IPO. And it does lead to a lot of trouble, but not just for Jordan Belfort. And they they definitely leave this part out of the movie. Steve Madden got into a shitload of trouble as a result of this. Mm. So he was being investigated by various pump and dump schemes with Stratton Oakmont. So they knew that he was up to something even before the IPO happened. Like he'd already had people on him. And and the, the thing about the movie is that the, the FBI, the feds were on to... Stratton Oakmont very early. They just didn't have enough evidence. And so they'd right. been collecting. It, it was very obvious for a lot of people for a long time what was going on. It just took a while for things to, you know, to to go through the courts and, and get everything that you need, get, you know, tight enough investigation to go in there and grab him. But Steve Madden um, went with his lawyers to meet with the U.S. Attorney's Office on December 20th, 1999. And when he was there, he was told that he was the target of an investigation involving 20 fraudulent IPOs and stock manipulation, and that he would be indicted or otherwise charged Whoa. for securities fraud. So, God damn. So in December of 1999, he knows he's going to end up going to prison. Like he's he's he is the subject of an investigation. They have a lot At on this him. point. Why not flee? Well, because he's I mean, because they're going to find him. I mean, where are you going to go? Fucking Edward Snowden's still fucking out there chilling. Yeah, but, why, but why can't the, he get away? No, no, no. The difference is, is that I mean, you'll see with what he gets for a sentence. But white collar crime, you're gonna go away to a plush prison for a couple of years. Snowden, they would throw him in a you know a dark cell for <laughs> forty years. Shooting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. shooting range. Yeah, it's it's so Fire different. Squad. 
And plus, yeah. he's got. I mean, he's wealthy enough. He's got lawyers. They're telling him, "Don't do this. It makes it so much worse. Just do the crime. You know, do the time, and you'll see." So on May thirty first, two thousand, right? So the first time they 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 met with the attorneys for the for the government in December. Now we're in May, and he unloads. Steve Madden unloads a hundred thousand shares of Steve Madden stock. Oof. Yeah, and so he screams knew, guilty. Well. Yeah. So what he knew and no one else knew, but him and his attorney, what he's is that he was about to be arrested. And ultimately, when the CEO and the guy the company was named after is arrested, the stock is going to take a hit. So he unloads right. his stock, hundred thousand shares. He's already in trouble. And then he does. Would this. that not count as insider trading? Yes, it is a hundred percent insider trading. That's what so it you're is. You're just adding more jail time. Yes, that's all you're doing. He did more crime. <laughs> After they already started, they were like, we're going to arrest you. And this is a Dalton move when they go, we're going to arrest you in six months. And you go out and go, I'm going to do as much crime as I can in six months because they're going to arrest me. Not thinking that I'm that's already gonna... going to jail, brother. Exactly. But they didn't, that's not how it works. So it's like this... that old logic, like whenever you, like, you get in trouble with your parents, you're like, fuck it. I'm already grounded. Yeah, what what are they going to do to me? Yep. <laughs> you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh it it so very much that. So this is from the SEC press release about it. It said when news of Madden's arrest became public on June 20th, right? So he sold his stock on May 31st, June 20th, it gets pu- it's public that he's been arrested. Um the National Association of, of Securities Dealers suspended trading in the S- Steve Allen stock. Uh when trading resumed on June 22nd, the stock price, which had closed at $13 on June 19th, fell as low as $5 Oof. afterwards. So he knew Steve Madden was like, I know this is gonna take a hit. Gotta get out now. Get out as much yeah. as we can. Um, Madden Ill- illegally avoided losses of $784,000. Listen, I'm not saying that that was a smart move, but it's not a dumb move. Not a dumb move. Well, hold on to that because we're going to talk about what happened to him. So Steve Madden uh, ended up being forced to resign from his company. He was sentenced to 41 months in prison, and he was made to pay back $3.1 million. Ooh, dumb move. Well, dumb move. But not so much considering that he was suspected of making around $7 million. So that's not a bad uh, return okay, okay, okay. on your investment because these guys with these big numbers always fucking get away with it. Um, here's the kicker, though. Even in prison, he was making a salary of $700,000 a year. Insane. As Insane. An outside consultant to his own company. So he's, so he's just calling in from prison. Yeah, he's forced to resign. He goes to jail and then it's he can not hire fair. himself. It's not it's fucking fair, not, dude. It's fucking rigged, dude. And if you don't oh think it is, my it's, God. Yeah. like, dude, I just don't understand. Like, how does that not want you to like burn down a bank? I'll like, how, how does that not want, like, why are, why, why are the streets not on fire? I don't understand. Well, as soon as he got a jail, he was immediately given his old job back at his company. So he became, can you imagine again, working the phones in that building and you get a phone call. It's like, Hello, you have received a phone call from Rikers <laughs> Island Prison. This is Steve Madden. <laughs> Do you accept the charges? <laughs> this is fucking crazy. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. So, uh, you know, he, to be fair to Steve Madden, I don't want to dogpile on him because he fucked up. He made some money, got greedy. He paid his time and he seems to have stayed out of trouble ever since then. Like he's been on the straight and narrow. He's, he's still the head of his company. He didn't sell it off somewhere, which is actually surprising considering that that's usually how that the fashion industry works. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he really just stayed clean. Jordan Belfort, not so much. Um, he, I'd say he got what he deserved. You can only find Stephen Madden shit in belts and fucking Goodwill. So well, he got yeah. what he, he got what's coming to him. That's just the nature of that industry, right? Comes in, comes into style, out of style. I mean, like early '90s, Steve Madden was everything. Everybody wanted those like ugly square toe dress shoe things. They were everywhere. Or those like big chunky heels. Yeah. Uh, it looks like this fucking hideous thing is in fashion now. You know. Yep. Yep. Crocs are back. <laughs> We're here for the Got first time. Got a fucking two-wheel drive. If I'm running somewhere, fucking take that bad boy off, slip in the four-wheel drive, man, you're good to go. You're good to go. Surprised you don't have, like, the little headlights on it. <laughs> the headlights, brother, clip, listen. Clip into it. I want to get some charms for it. I want to get some cool things to stick on there, you know, class it up a little bit. I was surprised there were not as many charms. There were no charms. There were no charms. So, Jordan, but if you subscribe to the Patreon for five dollars a month, that means I, Alton Harris, can go afford to buy some charms for my crops over at patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. Is your car insurance paid up? Uh, yeah, I actually paid it the other day. I did get behind a little bit, but I paid it up. Dude, I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm doing real adult shit. This is like I'm the first time you. in my life. This is like I have a no, but nobody is like. Telling me like, hey, new does, hey, hey, do that, hey, like, I'm not saying Victoria did that. She, I think you're like, saying that she was a burden on your pocket. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, and I know somehow this podcast is gonna get back to her. I promise, I'm this, not saying that. Vic. This podcast but, is gonna be evidence in the divorce, <laughs> cus- the, the custody, yeah, 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 yeah. and the eventual custody fight. But <laughs> fucking evidence. no, like she, she didn't tell me what to do, or whatever. I'm just saying this is my first time at 29 years old that I've lived truly on my own, right? And it's cool. It's a good feeling to be able to like to provide for myself. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, I absolutely. haven't went out to eat in over a month. Like I've been cooking everything at the house, and like it was good. Like I'm, I've always enjoyed like cooking shows and like learning recipes and stuff. And it's cool to actually be able to sit down and do stuff with it. You know? Yeah. That's my little mm-hmm. hobby that I picked up. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Patreon.com/slash if you catch my guests, five dollars a month. Jordan Belford, for his many financial crimes, we did go to jail. It was sentenced to four years in prison for bilking investors out of $200 million. So the dude racked up. He made a shitload of money. That was insane. That's crazy. Yeah. He, he would end up serving 22 months of that four-year sentence. The shade under two years for $200 million. Um, Why? This always happens. Like, well, <laughs> there's no justice. There's no fucking justice in the world, dude. You got fucking weed dealers sitting in prison for the rest of their fucking life but this dude can steal multiple people's life savings and be out in just under two years yeah it doesn't but make fe- sense yeah but he feels really sorry he feels dude, really this country's bad. fucking made up man the laws fu- are, laws mean nothing this fucking no laws mean out. the laws mean laws multiple mean things nothing. go they find mean multiple your local things. CEO, ceo and fucking put a gun to their head and blow their fucking brains out take all their money yeah well yes but Official yes. advice if, if you catch my grift. <laughs> He's just mad I'm only halfway through. Boy, this is going to get dark. 
And if there's a fucking lawsuit involved, you can take that up with Austin Adams. He lives in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Don't dox me. <laughs> uh, so he was, in addition to the, the prison time, Belfort also was ordered to pay $110 million back to his victims, right? Okay. Boy, Lord, We're getting that, somewhere now. That fucking didn't happen. Um, so the deal <laughs> he struck <laughs> involved liquidating any assets that the feds could get their hands on, plus paying the victims 50% of his income moving forward. So they're like, half of everything you make, Belfort, goes to this fund for the victims. Now, did plus, that end up happening? Well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> well, this yeah. is... Um, this is I'm going to play a little clip of Belfort telling the story just about how uh, bad he feels and how hard it was to face his children. Now, this clip that I'm going to play has this really sappy fucking music in the background. It's the, that is the clip. It's I didn't put it there for effect. It was this is from this is this is yeah, exactly. Uh, so I added this down a little bit. It's it's about a minute and a half, but here we go. I was guilty. I was I couldn't say I was I was trapped. With this. I did it. I made a mistake. I took some great skill that I made the mistakes and I deserve to be there. I had no one to blame but myself. I made the mistakes, and it's very difficult when you have to come to terms with that, right? And I think when people watch the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, it's important that they 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 look at that movie and say, you know what? I get it. It's glamorous and it's fun, you know, because I'm not going to deny that it was fun. It was glamorous, yeah. But there's something called balance in there that when you are that character, that never ends well. And like, it just never ends well. And one question that I get asked all the time, you know, how was I able to stay positive and motivated in what was certainly the worst time of my life? I mean, I'd lost my, my money, I'd lost my freedom, I'd lost my children for a time, my wife bottomed out, right? And I said, you know, I think about it, I said, you know, here's the secret. When I was in jail, in those moments, you know, and the, the worst moments of all were at nighttime when you're in your bunk and people are sleeping, you're alone with your thoughts and you could just really get negative. And the answer was, is that in bed, when I was alone with my thoughts, I would close my eyes and I would visualize the faces of my two children. And I closed my eyes, I'd see their faces. I knew I could let them down so badly, cause them so much pain. And I said, there's nothing I won't do. There's no length I won't go to to prove to these kids that their dad can do it right, that their dad's gonna come back even better than before. And it was all about proving to my children that you could come back from failure, that you could make the world right, and I could be an example, make them proud of me. That was my why. Kill yourself. Fucking kill yourself. Jesus Christ. The epic stock music that they used, along with all the stock images of children. Oh, yeah. Wonderful, it, wonderful. It's fucking. Your awful. kids would been proud if you fucking killed yourself and left them in your hair, and it's motherfucker. Jesus Christ. So he wanted to set an example, right? He wanted to be a, a role model for his kids. Well, he, electric uh, chair, volcano. <laughs> Throw him in a fucking volcano. Did he and his lawyers did everything in their power to get out of paying any of that money back? Fucking cops. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. So this is uh, from a write-up in the Daily News, New York's own the Daily News. Uh, according to numbers cited in the court filing, Belfort has only paid about $11.6 in restitution since his July 18, 2003 sentencing. More than $10 million came from court-ordered property forfeiture. And then he's kicked back barely $243,000 over the last four years 
uh, personally or through various companies on his behalf, despite which is a fucking drop in the ocean compared yeah, well, to what he has. Also, despite him making nine hundred and forty thousand dollars selling the rights to the Wolf of Wall Street to Martin Scorsese for the movie. So he made the money. He's just not giving any of it back. Um, his you know, lawyers. Listen, fuck Martin Scorsese, too. Why are you paying this motherfucker? Why are you giving him more money? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's a good movie. Sure. But why are you giving them more money? Yeah, like, I got enough beef with Martin Scorsese, like what he considers true cinema. Fuck off, you prude. Like this is the, the, ah! what he's done. I mean, somebody got paid for Goodfellas, you know. Somebody got paid for all, you know. That was that. That was Henry Hyatt. That yeah, was but mob movies story. are different. Get the mob is fucking cool, right? And go go <laughs> with the fishes. The shit's cool, right? The shit's fucking cool. No, what's not cool is like tricking fucking. People out of their life savings over the fucking telephone, then they're fucking ruined. They're done. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like these are people with fucking mortgages that they can't afford to pay now. Yep. These Absolutely. are food that's off the table for their kids. Like yep. it, this, like this affects the real fucking world, and it's crazy. It's insane. And and, and, and then he's got a devout following of these like dude bros who like jerk off like this is you know sales porn. They love this shit. And well, this listen, like, like it, I love the Wolf of Wall Street, but I also am aware that jordan belfort is the villain right the problem, the problem is people that watch this movie and they think he's the hero yeah absolutely absolutely it was you know in a lot of ways it was the joker before the joker right 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 i mean really i don't know how else to put it but it's fine i'm gonna keep going from that daily news article it says his lawyers in response to prosecutors said belfort quote, made repeated efforts over the last two plus years to pay 100 percent of the profits of the movie and his two books Okay, sure. Despite a half dozen requests for the government to discuss a settlement, quote, the only response has been silence, wrote Belford attorney Robert uh, Begliger. Um, so the, the article continues. The feds contend that Belfort, 51, is obligated to repay his victims in the rate of 50% of his annual gross income. His lawyer, this is fucked up, argued that the deal expired when he left supervised relief in April 2009. So his lawyer said... Oh, the only time he was supposed to pay the 50% of his gross annual income is while he was on probation. But now that he's off probation, he shouldn't have to pay any more money. And the courts went for it. So <sighs> there's yeah. no God. There is no hope for this planet. <laughs> like, why? why? Why why are we doing this? Why are those why are all those fucking lawyers in Georgia just sitting out there chilling? Why are they not in a fucking fire somewhere? Like why why are they not hanging from trees? Like well, what what are we doing here? What are we it's, doing? It's because Jordan in his own words, he said, uh, I was not a good guy back in the day, but I'm a good guy now. I am I live my life with such integrity. That's an actual quote from him. You know who really needs to be sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> <laughs> so restitution, they 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 changed the structure of the, the the restitution. Like he still has to pay money back, or he's supposed to pay. So that, but they finally settled upon um, what it was, and it is a far cry from fifty percent of his annual gross income. Now he is expected to pay ten thousand dollars a month for the rest of his life, and at that rate, the government would collect in full in around nine hundred and sixteen years. <laughs> he got away with it he fucking got away with it for the most part yep yep he lost his house he lost about 10 million dollars in assets and honestly if he'd have taken Fuck, he know, can't fucking buy a new one though it's well crazy. that's the thing that's only the money they can find they only found 10 million dollars he's got money other places yeah, there's no yeah, fucking he got money in offshore accounts he didn't There's he didn't blow that. it all he didn't blow it all 
But this is so this is going to really piss you off. Just be careful. He says, uh, this is Belfort said, when I saw the Ed beat accusation, I almost started crying, said Belfort, his eyes watering with tears. I can't believe something like this is happening in America. That's when people <laughs> talk about him not paying restitution. He gets that he gets heartbroken and pretends that he is the victim. Suck victim. my dick. Jesus Christ. Dude, this dude sucks. This yeah. Dude sucks. So there were even allegations um, that after, and I, I couldn't, I don't know if these are proved, these have not been proven. I'm not sure if they're true. So I'm very much like these are, are Allegedly. Uh, allegations. Yeah, they're just allegations that um, once he was released from prison, he took off to Australia to hide as much of his money as possible. Um, he no, apparently leave it signed- to the fucking penal colony to help him hide his fucking money. They're right out there with the Brits, man. I don't trust anybody that says Crikey might. There's only one Australian I, I trust, and he got took out by a stingray, okay? Jesus. I don't think you realize there's a lot of famous people who are secretly Australian. No fucking who? Okay, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Fuck you. All right, who else we got on the list? Um, I don't know who's... Rhea Ripley. Cole Kidman. No, uh, fucker. Hugh Jackman. Oh, the Wolverine, who needs him? Oh, fuck you. so all right so anyway restitution ten thousand dollars a month for the rest of his life they'll get their money back in 916 years again he he was accused of going to australia to um to to cover up his money and apparently while he was there he made an agreement with a like a talent representation agency and the agreement was that they were going to represent him, but it was an oral agreement. So it actually couldn't be traced back to him. There was no paperwork involved with this at all. He um, was then questioned about it on 60 Minutes Australia. And I have a clip of that. This is the person who interviewed him. How'd you have that fucking money? <laughs> so she starts to narrate and tell you what's going on. But Jordan, I'm just, I'm not even going to spoil what happens here. I'm just going to let you see it because it's, it's so fucking cringy, and I don't know. There's, I just, it's infuriating. This. Did you put it all in a can of Foster's? I had it underground. <laughs> all right, Jesus, we're never talking about Australia again. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. I think everybody's introduction to Jordan Belford probably was through the film The Wolf of Wall Street. The story you see in the film represents, by and large, the time and what he was doing. Critics would say that it glamorizes Jordan Belford. The fact of the matter is that Jordan Belford was a swindler. Yes, yes, she gets it, she knows. Stop, I gotta there. go, yeah, there. right? In credits, credits roll, we're that's good. It. We don't that's need the, any more. That's the, I don't know how we're gonna turn two hours out of that one fucking sentence, but we're gonna find a way. Uh, anyway, back to the, back to the clip. <laughs> it was never about all for us and screw the client. It was all about we're going to make the clients a ton of money. We're going to make a ton of money, and the firm's going to make a ton. Of, everyone's going to succeed. But what wasn't one of your mottos? You know, don't hang up until the client either buys or dies. Yes. What's but the we, message but, but, in that? That doesn't mean that the client is not going to make money if he buys. I, I asked Jordan Belford all the questions that I thought were reasonable about, you know, where he came from, how did this all begin, how much money did he make, what kind of life did he have at the time. Then when I started to ask about the victims and the repayment to those victims, I felt a shift. And I felt that Jordan Belford was uncomfortable about that. 
oh, he was uncomfortable talking about the victims and the money he's supposed to pay back. What a shock. I'm sorry. I'm Jordan. I feel bad. (laughs) Why are you asking me that? And here we go. Enough about this. Let's move on. Uh, let me ask you this no, one let's thing. Move on, that, okay. In, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm not going to get attacked here. I, you're here, so I'm done with this. Next. I guess in the end, um, he just got very angry with me. He he felt I was being unfair, and when I asked him if he was trying to hide money uh, here in Australia, um, he walked out. It, it well, the last thing is that apparently you have an oral contract with your management, the Fordham Company. Is that an attempt to hide your income? <laughs> Next question. Who's going to get going to start chiming really quickly? <laughs> the fucking Trump did the Trump tactic. Did the Trump tactic. Why can't, oh why can't I? You got a lot of nerve, boy, I'll tell you. When somebody walks out of an interview, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a good thing. Uh, something's gone wrong. Somebody is not happy, usually. In this case, Jordan Belford was very unhappy, and that was obvious. Honestly, really, t- t- you know, honestly, why can't really, I ask just, these honestly, And I was told it was a, a friendly, nice interview, and that's no one has ever treated you as disrespectful as you have. Really. Well, well, well. If it's not the consequences of my actions, right? <laughs> what a fucking. He did the fucking Trump thing. That's crazy. Baby. Fucking crazy. baby. All these fucking New York elites are all the fucking same, right? They're all. No offense. They're all the same. I'm They're all elite. The You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> not fucking answering that next question <laughs> it, 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 you know what it, it's such a it's such a cowardly move it, it's so obvious and transparent and i i think that i don't know i mean if you had just shown me that i would have been incredibly suspicious of the guy it's like just just make something right. up lie like I, I and think just, just answer the question. Nothing looks worse than walking out of the interview. Storming off, going, I've never been so disrespected in my entire <laughs> life. Get out of here. Get out of here, man. So of course the American press, they don't really give a shit about that kind of stuff. They love a comeback story, right? So they were much, much friendlier um here in the press of here. Of course they were. Of, of course, they, course were. they were. So this is um this is this is from an interview uh, in a, a publication called Interview and Review. It was a profile they did in 2014 after the movie had come out. It says, uh, people have asked me if I could really change. Can a leopard change its spots? I don't like that analogy. I was once a good man, but I became warped. And now many years later, I've been able to find that goodness again. The wolf is gone. But that doesn't mean I don't like being rich. I believe in ethics and making money the right way. And there's no reason why you shouldn't be rich, too. I hate to break it to you, brother. There is no ethical or right way to get filthy fucking rich. <laughs> There's yep. no way. There's no way. You can live yep. comfortably, sure, but you can't be fucking rich and be no. ethical. You, it's pretty close to what I said. I said anybody who doesn't think the game is rigged is either one of the ones rigging or they're lying to you. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know. So this is I'm going to continue from that profile. It said uh, in 1991, Forbes magazine described Belford as a kind of twisted Robin Hood who takes from the rich and gives to himself and his merry band of brokers. In reality, some of the investors were not rich, but totally broke. Belford was earning 50 million dollars a year, reportedly making 12 million dollars in three minutes. Um, as the ultimate and compliment, obscene amount of money in 1980, by the way, yeah. obscene yeah. amount of money. Yep. Um, as the ultimate compliment, the mafia were sending people to Stratton Oakmont to work on work placements to learn how it was done. So, you know, 
reputable. Uh, money isn't bad. Money doesn't change you, continues Jordan. But I gave in to greed and Erebus, and my moral compass began spinning off its axis. I was 24 years old, making more than $50 million, but something had changed. I was taking people with little or no selling skills and turning them into closers that pulled in thousands of thousands of dollars. But I began doing whatever it took to make money. I was partying hard. I began manipulating stocks. I was a greed-fueled animal with sharp teeth and a feral growl that made people tremble. So he basically like was the professor of Griff University. This is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, uh, God. I, so I don't know. He, he does. We'll talk a little bit about the drugs. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but he definitely blames a lot on doing drugs. And I, I oh, have, dude, Quayle is the coolest shit, dog. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the only cool thing about him. <laughs> Yeah. So um, funny story was that Belfort was cellmates with uh, Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong. Really? Who I guess Belfort started spending some of his bullshit and Tommy said, hey, that'd make a really good book. And that's what inspired Jordan to write The Wolf of Wall Street. Hey, man, (laughs) that would make a really good book. (laughs) Um, so he's, he gets out of prison. He decides that he's going to pivot to become a motivational speaker and a sales trainer. So now that's yeah, what all these fucks do. <laughs> there is not an original bone in this man's body. No, there's really not. Um, so he, you know, now instead of making money, telling other people now, rather than making money off of ripping people off, he's teaching other people how to become little Jordan Belfords, which I honestly think might be worse. I don't know. Eh, right, we'll see. I don't think most of the people that buy this program are smart enough to make a lot of money on it. No, they're thought. fucking dumbasses. They can't even realize that he's the bad guy. Like they're <laughs> fucking yeah. stupid. Yep. So his 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 program includes online courses, webinars, live events. Uh, it's marketed to entrepreneur, salespeople, and business owners. He claims that his system can help people increase their sales, build better relationships with customers, and achieve sex. Yeah. And achieve success in their careers. (laughs) Maybe I need to take his fucking class. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And all of this can be yours at the low, low starting price of $499 for his course, which is discounted to $249.50, which is maybe the oldest (laughs) trick in the book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a discount. All right. Sure. Um, but uh, I guarantee you it's never been above that price. <laughs> yeah. Oh, never been above. Never been above. Um, uh, a little off topic, but kind of related to the topic. I was showing somebody the uh, Channel 5 doc on the pickup artist yeah. school in Las Vegas. Uh, re- uh, rest in peace, Andrew Callahan. He's not dead. He's just canceled. But uh, anyway, I was, sh- I was showing the doc and they got to the point where like this pickup artist, the all inclusive thing was like $849. And the person I was showing to was like, Jesus Christ, who would pay for that? And I was like, you'd be surprised. Dude, you just wait. Once again, you are well ahead of me in terms of paying ridiculous things to somebody who pretends to know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the movie it just blew up his business. Like there wouldn't be a business if it hadn't been for that movie. Like nobody knew who he was. Again, we talked about this beginning, but in the end, do you remember the scene where Leo walks out to the straight talk? Um, was it called a straight line sales conference? Yeah. 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 Like at the end, like he's reformed, he's out of jail. So the guy that actually mm-hmm. introduces him is Jordan Belford. He's in the movie. He gets a little cameo. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh Jesus Christ. So not only is this like the best. He got a role in the fucking movie. Yep. Yep. 
he he introduces Jordan. I mean, he introduces Leonardo DiCaprio playing himself, uh, about to pitch his oh, sales training I course. Bet nothing got him harder. <laughs> yeah, no so, amount of Margot Robbie's could get that dick rock hard as introducing the sell- yourself in the movie about you. Oh yeah, and he's got this line that he always uses when he's being interviewed that he's better looking than Leo. He's like, "Sorry, Leo." Oh no, you're not, dude. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. No. no, he looks like a dehydrated Ron DeSantis. I'd uh, suck that man dry in thirty seconds. Who, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, just, yeah, just for sure. Because yeah. you were using pronouns, it gets confusing. I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Everybody don't get me wrong. Realizes. I'm older than twenty five. I don't think I'm Leo's type, but yeah, I could probably get the job done. Yeah, you're out of the running. That's that's a <laughs> bold proclamation. Um, so anyway, he like I said, this the, publishing the book. The book sold okay. Then the movie was what made him like a super famous guy. He managed to get his straight. Uh, I keep keep calling it straight talk. A straight line sales commercial at the very end, hugely successful. Really, it's the only thing that sets him apart from everybody else. Now. All of this isn't to say that people weren't on to his bullshit. Like I mentioned that the feds almost immediately were kind of onto it and started to to look into him and 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 see what was up. But other normal people also saw this and was like, eh, I think there's a problem here. Um, early days of the internet, we're talking about the early 90s. And uh, there were people who caught on to what Belford and Stratton Oakman was doing. And they tried to warn anyone who would listen via various bulletin boards, um, which is like way, way old internet that you've never encountered in your entire life. It's like three <laughs> forums. They had bulletin boards. Anyway, one board in particular, the Money Talks board, which was on Prodigy, which is a, an ISP, uh, garnered significant wait, attention. Wait, wait, wait. So ISPs had like their own little message yeah. boards? Yeah, you actually like it used to be when you log in. So if you had like AOL or Prodigy or Earthlink or CompuServe, when you went in, you went into their portal. So it wasn't like the open, open a browser, go to a website. It was like right. a curated section for that was related to the ISP you know, that you would be on. So like AOL. And then from there, you could go to the World Wide Web which would be like opening a browser and going. It was very, it was a very different experience, but they hosted their own boards. So there's this bulletin board on Prodigy and it's called Money Talks. And they, there were people on there that were talking about Stratton Oakmont and and trying to warn investors going, this is suspicious. I wouldn't, wouldn't get into it. Stay away, stay as far away. Uh, Stratton Oakmont decided to sue Prodigy and they, uh, the case what pieces of shit <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely no they they um they sued them for a defamation because they were somebody on their boards were talking shit and they said prodigy was responsible for the the messages on their boards uh and i think i don't think that's how that works though it did at the time and i'll tell you why because this has got a lot to do with also kind of what's been going on recently so this case went to the Supreme Court. It went all the way up. Stratton Oakmont versus Prodigy. Wow. You can look it up. It's it's a real case. It's there. Um, four years previous to this, CompuServe, which is another big ISP, was sued for um, hosting libel, libelous information. So this case also went to the Supreme Court, and they ended up siding with CompuServe, ruling that CompuServe's site, right, their platform that they provided, was merely a forum since they didn't moderate any of the content, right? So Prodigy, I mean, so CompuServe said, users put up whatever they want. We don't do anything. We don't say anything. We don't remove anything. We don't We don't moderate at all. And so the Supreme Court said, well, they don't moderate. So they're not a publisher. They're just a platform. 
So you can't but sue them. Prodigy had mods. Yes, exactly. Prodigy's gotcha. boards were moderated. And so the, 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 the case was, hey, they moderate this, which means that they assume ownership for the things that their customers are saying. But that would be impossible to govern. That would be exactly. impossible to police. Exactly. And what happened was the Supreme Court said, you know what, Stratton Oakmont, you're right. This is now a publisher. If they moderate any of the content, if they remove anything at all for any reason, they now assume the role of a publisher, which is a really... You take that logic, you're going to get boards like 4chan, for example, like yep. there's where it's the wild, wild west, the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, this forum, this case would have ruined today's internet. Like it wouldn't be anymore if this case, because this case was decided the way it was. What had happened was Congress got involved. And in 1996, they passed, they, they passed this law, this huge law called the Communication Decency Act um, of 1996. And basically, they saw what the Supreme Court did and they said, no, this is not right. Like we you will. I'm sure there were lobbyists from the, you know, from the Internet companies and the ISPs going, whoa, right. whoa, whoa. We, there's no way we can be responsible for anything that for everything our users post. Right. Which makes sense. Um, and and Can so you imagine how much trouble we'd be in. <laughs> oh, there would be. Facebook would have to double their employees overnight just to deal with content on Twitter wouldn't be but around. Then, but then at that point, like why even speak on the internet? You know what right. I mean? Right. I mean, there's no such thing as social media. Had they not passed the communication decency? Austin is now thinking, you know what? Maybe this isn't such a bad Honestly, I wrote that in the notes. I was like, that's kind of a shame. They might have been right. <laughs> who would have known that these old justices on the Supreme Court who know nothing about the Internet then still really don't know anything about the Internet now could have ruined it. And it might have been a great thing for everybody, but that's not no, how it no, happened. No. Agree so, to disagree. In the Communications Decency Act, there is a section that gets a lot of coverage these days called Section 230. Have you heard anything about this, Dalton? I don't, you're, no. You, you guys, yeah, my head is in a very different realm. But Section 230 is essentially what says that these these all of these online services are platforms. They're neutral. They're content neutral. They're not the publisher. You can't hold them responsible. It is the biggest safeguard in the tech, like in social media, online forums. You can't sue these guys for content that other people put up. It's important. Right. Like, there would be no social media without it. Honestly, there's just no way. I love the fact that I can just lie on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anybody can lie. Anybody can lie. Lie themselves all the way to the top. So Section 230 shields online services from liability for things their users post. Um, it does make some exceptions, such as for sex trafficking, other criminal acts, and state law violations, because those can violate from, they could be different state to state. Right. Which is part of the reason you see places like Texas trying to pass laws about, you know, social media companies, because then it like has a domino effect and will, in theory, affect other states. But it's, <sighs> it's been in debate a lot. The, the, the conservatives right now are saying that they should re uh, repeal Section 230 because uh, social media is biased against conservatives. Number one, that's a really dumb argument that has zero factual backing to it. Number two, no, you no, would destroy the internet. Like rolling 230 back would be in the internet. There would be no more. Twitter would be gone almost overnight. I, they, there's no way that anybody's going to put the, like all Musk has done since he took over is fire people. He's not hiring a team of content moderators that avoids lawsuits after lawsuit after lawsuit. Right. So if they you know, give us a bunch of bobbers right about Texas. You don't you don't get that joke, no. <laughs> but no. some of our listeners will. 
No, but I do have a lamp that's the shape of a pineapple. I just bought it. It came in this week. I just, I love it. Are it's you awesome. and Christopher pineapple people? No, no. I, and I do know what that means because my mom explained it to me. It's this weird suburban thing years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Upside pineapples means that you like, you're real fuck happy that you like, you yeah. know, this, yeah. yeah. A little swing it thing. Uh, no, yeah, we're yeah. Not, we're not, no, I just have a, a lamp that's shaped like a pineapple here on my desk. And you set it outside your brother. You're going to have people knocking on your door. <laughs> hey, I'm God. here to party. Not in this fucking building. No, thank you. We're good. You're going to get no. a buzz. They're like, hey, is there any long swinging dicks some, around? I heard Christopher real, got some, that grippy. There's some real psychos here in this building. Anyway, um, that is section 230. Uh, of the internet and so stratton almost killed the internet jordan belford almost killed the internet and then the congress stepped in and said that he needs to be escorted <laughs> to the gallows this is like the most offensive reason to you so far <laughs> you were like mad about pensions and mortgages but you're like what they gonna take twitter from me man fuck that guy how am i supposed to get all my movies yeah what do i <laughs> Look, I don't even know what outside is. It's just that thing I do between here and work. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean you got to buy music? What the fuck is that? This is America. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was America. <laughs> Man, that is insane. I can't even tell me that. I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I America. This was America. So here we go. Uh, what is what is Belford up to today? If you had to take a guess, Dalton, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you. What do you think he's doing these days? Motivational speaker. Yes. Well, yes. He's he's doing that and he's selling his classes. But can oh else? no! Oh fuck! He's a crypto guy. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Uh. So, I have tell me coming, I'm wrong. Come on. Tell me I'm wrong. So, oh, oh, no. Hang on. Hang on. So these days, uh, Jordan's usually just hawking his sales series. He's keeping up with the image of someone trying to look like they live well. Maybe he's still living well. I think he's still living well. I think he's got a lot of fucking money hidden in a lot of places. Um, but he's recently had a couple of spats with another alpha sales shithead named Grant Cardone, who we are definitely going to cover in their own episode. So we'll leave that because I really dislike Grant Cardone. Anyway, and uh, what's the least surprising thing? Because Dalton already Son guessed it. Of a bitch. Got into crypto. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad I live in this piece of shit trailer. I'm going to throw something through a wall. Jesus Christ. So there's a profile and it was in a very famous newspaper and it shouldn't surprise you at all. The the profile of Jordan Belfort dealing with crypto is in the New York Times. God almighty. Have we learned nothing? We've learned nothing as a country. We have yeah. learned nothing as a collective species. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I want to read this from Belford's website, and then I want to tell you a little bit about it, because he does this interview, and the, the reporter that, that does the interview, it, the background is that they're in uh, Belford's palatial, he actually says palatial manor in Miami Beach, um, and he's holding a... Oh, I bet you can still find quaaludes there. <laughs> <laughs> so he's holding like this, this crypto summit at his palatial estate in Miami Beach, and on his website, it says Crypto Mastermind Weekend with the Wolf. 
spend two days with Jordan Belford. Oh, and oh unlock- he's the wolf now. Oh, he's the wolf now. Yeah, spend two days with Jordan, Jordan Belford and unlock the future of crypto. Are you a, are you bullish on crypto? Are you looking to understand how to secure financial success within growing within the growing world of decentralized finance and NFTs? If so, you've come to the right place. Join Jordan as he hosts an intimate financial experience jam-packed with tailored advice, strategy, networking, industry experts, and more. He'll be going through the latest cutting-edge investment strategies for all things crypto, DeFi, and the metaverse. Um, And then it gives in a little bit of his background. It goes, Jordan Belford is an industry titan who has become a household name for his ability to build multi-million dollar companies and work with the who's who of businesses. His expertise in finance has given him the unique ability to grasp the crypto market and all its idiosyncrasies and make it digestible for the average investor. And now that knowledge will be made available to you at this once in a lifetime mastermind event. I don't know about you. But I'm not taking crypto advice from a guy that got caught fucking, uh, fucking scamming people with penny stocks 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not that. That seems real fucking dumb. That well, seems real stupid. Well, take a guess at how much a ticket to this to to the one. So again, the New York Times reporter is down there talking to Jordan at right after this conference. Guess how much it was to get into this conference? Five hundred dollars. No. It was the Bitcoin equivalent of $40,000. You are fucking shitting me. No, I'm not. Oh, my God. That is so much fucking money. Oh, my God. How, 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 uh, how? Yep. So this is uh, from that piece. It was from April 2022, so a year ago, uh, by uh, David Yaffe Bellany. It says... Uh, this is talking about Belford. He goes, he is also a recent convert away from crypto skepticism. Not long ago, he shot a YouTube video about the dangers of Bitcoin, which he called fucking insanity. No, fricking. Sorry, he doesn't cuss anymore. Fricking insanity and mass delusion. He doesn't cuss anymore. Yeah. Uh, over the years, he said he gradually changed his mind as he learned more about cryptocurrencies and prices skyrocketed. I think emphasis on the prices skyrocketed piece. I think that's probably what got his attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it says now Mr. Belford is an investor in a handful of startups, including a new NFT platform and an animal themed crypto project that he said is trying to take the dog and pet ecosystem and put it onto the blockchain. This is so stupid. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. Nobody knows what it means. That's the point. So he, he does mention a, a Bitcoin, a coin that he's really bullish about in this article from a year ago. And I think it's nice to have a year old article because you can kind of see what happened after the fact. So uh, Thanos the, was right. What? Thanos, Thanos was right. The Thanos was right. <laughs> yeah, but if the problem is the fifty percent they get wiped out is everybody on this call right now. That's just how that oh, works. My God. Anyway, so he he's got this coin that he's promoting. It's not his coin. It's another coin. It's called OHM, uh, and it was the, the the coin that he was like, "This is where I'm putting my money right now." Uh, at the time of the article, it was valued around twenty two dollars a coin, and that was down from its peak six months before of. So this guy decides to invest and promote a currency that dropped $1,300 a coin in six months. Currently, that coin is worth half of what it was a year ago. It's worth about $10. This guy is not an investing genius. I'm sorry. He's a fucking salesman. He's a used car salesman that happens to be selling penny stocks. 
Yep. That's it. Yeah. You can find 10 Jordan Belfords at the fucking used car lot down the road. Yep. Yeah. And some of them have probably bought his course and think that they're the next guy to really be <laughs> the next Wolf of Wall Street, except he's no longer a wolf and he was really never on Wall Street, which I think is kind of funny when you think of that. <laughs> Um, anyway, he, again, I, I alluded to this, mentioned this earlier. He blames all of it on drugs. I am in my personal life, very much involved with people that are in recovery and addiction, not with drugs. I knew you were going to say that I had to be very clear about what I was going to say, but I know what that's like. And I know the drug people on drugs do very fucked up things that that's absolutely true. I think it's really Shout hard. Out <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I, to me, it just doesn't sit right that, you know, I think he's, he was, there were moments of clear headedness as he was devising this scheme. There's no other way you could yeah. pull something like this off that, that you sure. just, it's, it's, it, it sounds to me and I'm not, I'm not minimizing anybody's drug addiction or struggle with addiction. Like I'm not going to do that, but I just, this guy, it just doesn't seem like it, it passes the smell test. Um, or yeah, because he's off drugs now, allegedly, and he's doing the same fucking thing with crypto. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. He's like, Hey, you want to be like me? I'll sell you the tools to be like me. And here's some crypto I'm hawking. That's now halved, <laughs> in value. I don't understand how you could watch that fucking movie and want to buy this shitty coin from him. Cause all I you don't saw understand. Margot Robbie. That's all you saw. That's the only thing you paid attention to. Well, not me personally. Not you, but I'm talking but, to that person, yeah. that hypothetical person you're talking about. Like, yeah. Oh man, he's banging this broad. Oh man, I won't be like him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's the thing: is like he has been his his reputation has been so rehabilitated, like to a shocking degree. The amount of work again that that movie did is just really, really stunning. Uh, you know, you don't talk about any of his victims. They are out a ton of money, life savings, retirements. You know, I mean, all of this money that's just just evaporated because this guy got greedy, and they're not going to see it. It's not coming back. It's not. It, it just it's gone. The money's gone. Um, and you know, we have kind of an obsession with villains, and I'm okay with that because we wouldn't have a show if that wasn't the case. But yeah, but it is okay to have an obsession guy, with villains as long as you recognize that these people are the villains. Yeah, you know this, what I mean. This guy is a small time hustler whose reputation again was laundered thoroughly by a movie that I'm I thought so won Academy we... Awards, but apparently it was just nominated in pretty much every category and didn't win a single yeah, one. won one exactly one Oscar. Yeah, like, it wasn't for this. yeah, it wasn't for this. It was a long time bit that Leonardo DiCaprio was like the best actor to never win an Oscar. Yeah. So that's what he's he's up to these days. He gets into online feuds every once in a while. He's got something with, like I mentioned, Grant Cardone. He's doing his crypto. I think everybody's kind of eased off of crypto a little bit because the gig is up with that for the most part. And yeah. he also has a podcast because, of course, he does. And it's called The Wolf's Den. Oh, my God. Oh, I just, man. I bet, I, I bet you he thought that name was so clever. I bet. Yeah, he's got an email list that I'm sure he calls the Wolf Pack. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And if he doesn't, you can have that idea. That's the only nice thing I'm going to do for you, Belfort, <laughs> if you don't sue Dude, us. I'm glad you mentioned the Joker earlier. This is my Joker moment. Like, this is this is how Joker fried me. <laughs> oh, my God. This dude sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I wasn't. I, I didn't really know where this episode was going to lead me. The stuff about, like, 
interest rates hike, uh, interest rate hikes kind of causing chaos. And I feel like there's definitely a parallel right now. But then the the, the <laughs> Section 230 stuff I thought was interesting. And I was like, OK, so maybe he might have been a little well known because of the him suing, you know, prodigy and this yeah. the huge Supreme Court ruling, you know, coming out as a result. But there's not much here. Um and and like I mentioned, you know, the next episode is going to be about the making and all the behind the scenes. Uh, it it is has very little to do with Jordan Belfort, so it's just it's more about the movie, Wall, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street and all of the the fucking, fucking uh, criminals that are involved with that dude from uh, last podcast, Henry Zabowski, who was in Wolf of Wall Street too. Oh yeah, yeah, he played. Um, uh, he was one of the guys that was in the beginning. Really, I was like, I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah, he was in that scene. <laughs> I am. Um, I don't think he had anything to do with the the way that the movie yeah. was financed. <laughs> so nothing but good things to say about he's Henry fine. I doubt. I, I no. I don't think, as far as I know, nobody in it. I don't even think Scorsese knew where all this money was coming from. So um, it Ooh. should be. It should be a fun episode. Just a little um, teaser. Yeah, yeah. International crime. Do you think there will be a equivalent to Jordan Belfort in like 2020? Well, in the 2020s, we're having this big peak uh, period of peak inflation, right? So there's bound to be a bad faith actor that comes around in this time. Do you think there will be somebody to that level? Or I, I think no. I think people got smarter, and I think what you're seeing is on a much higher level, a lot of heads of industry, heads of corporations conspiring together to commit this kind of crime. I mean, like, yeah, I, yeah. I think that there's, I think that there's more solidarity within this group of people, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that whatever they're collaborating, I mean, there's always going to be people starting up Ponzi schemes. I think you're seeing it with all the crypto shit. Um, I think I you're think, seeing it with influencers. I mean, look at your Logan Pauls and fucking yeah. like all the other people that are shilling these coins that are effectively but, worthless. But it, yeah, but it all and it all comes to crypto. I mean, it's crypto is for now. But I think crypto is going to continue to cool, and something else will come up because something always comes up. It's ne- there's just there's always something. There's always some way to spend to spend making a lot of money very quickly, and it just attracts this type of player in the in the in the scheme. So yeah. Or is that where that's we've landed? That's the episode. I think that's the landing. Oh, yay. We're fucking back, baby. Well, we have a uh, little game plan of what we're going to do. We're not going to expose it now. But uh, Austin has some tricks up his sleeve that we're doing for uh, future episodes so that, so that we're not doing one episode a month. Uh, and we'll see Hopefully. where that goes. I'm, <laughs> I think, hey, yeah, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what's coming soon. Uh, but for me, in the meantime, you do have friends. Keep an eye out. Uh, by the time this episode airs, I think this should be started. But keep an eye out for Hayabusa or wrestling, <laughs> a wrestling adjacent podcast featured by uh, Pod Van Dam alumni Ed Cody, uh, also co-host of this on the show. Yeah, previous guest and a fill-in co-host. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, whenever I'm not here, Ed is here. So uh, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> when you the when when the, the the divorce was happening, the breakup was happening, you were very quick to be like, "Yo, I'm gonna be laying low for a few weeks." Ed, can you tag in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my fucking dog, man. But I saved uh, I saved this episode because I was like, "This is not the same." In the same way that I saved Alex Jones, I was like, "There's only a." There's 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 certain episodes that I know appeal to uh, the reptile part of Dalton's brain and Jordan Belfort is <laughs> like a caveman uga, uga brain. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the fucking Alex one Jones. that watched the yeah <laughs> the fucking war crime part of my brain <laughs> part of the violates the Geneva Convention. But oh, uh, our other friends, check out uh, the Stink Sheet. Check out Subslide Dubslide Anime Podcast. If you're into that, check out our friends at X Over. Check out our friends at IW Guide Charlie's Own. Um, check out our friends at I think that's all I fucking got anymore. Uh, yeah. Super Fantastic came back for a bit, but I don't think it's staying around. Uh, <laughs> I haven't put out any new episodes. I don't fucking know. Stacy, get on your shit, dog. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. You can check us out on socials at Catch My Griff Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Griff Boy Dog. You can find Charlie on Twitter at Charlie underscore Butters. You can find Austin on Twitter at Griff Daddy. And uh, that's all we got to uh, leave you with. If you're ever down at uh, Miami Beach and you see a Polino estate or whatever the fuck Austin said, make sure, you bring, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you bring a bag of Quaaludes and a loaded gun. All right, fuckers. <laughs> see you later. Stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.